Hey gang, Tom Mullen here. Do you have a child who spends more time than you'd like in front of screens consuming low quality content? Well, you can turn that screen time into something fun and worthwhile. I'm talking about mini coders, an educational game-based platform including companion apps made for kids with video tutorials, virtual assistant, and games where kids learn coding skills while they play in the Roblox metaverse, all under the safety and guidance of a virtual assistant and in-game tutors. MiniCoders is perfect for homeschooled, unschooled, or traditionally schooled children alike and helps them build 21st century skills and have a ball doing so. Right now, you can try out MiniCoders with no obligation by registering for a free trial at TomMullenTalksFreedom.com slash MiniCoders. That's M-I-N-I-C-O-D-E-R-S. Again, just visit TomMullenTalksFreedom.com slash MiniCoders and start your free trial today. Every revolution starts in the minds of the people. Arm yourself for the war of ideas. Take back your life. Take back your liberty. Tom Mullen Talks Freedom. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Tom Mullen Talks Freedom. Today is Friday, February 4th. I'm recording this at about 9 a.m., just after the Bureau of Labor Statistics jobs report for the month came out. And, of course, this always makes big news in the financial media and in the general media as well when there's something significant there. And this month's report was somewhat of a surprise in that it said that the economy added 467,000 new jobs in the month of January 2022. And it also went back to December, which originally had reported 199,000 new jobs and revised that number upward to 510,000 new jobs. Some rather startling numbers, especially considering earlier this week, the monthly ADP private sector jobs number said that we lost 300,000 jobs. So a big disparity between those two numbers, which is curious in and of itself, And uh, I talk about the jobs report in my book, It's the Fed Stupid. And one of the things I want to caution people about is how ungrounded in reality this number really is. Nobody is out there counting how many jobs were actually created. There's a phone survey that the Bureau of Labor Statistics does every month. And based on the answers to the questions uh, that they ask, They estimate how many businesses went out of business, how many new businesses were created, and because of their estimate of how many new businesses are created, they then estimate how many new jobs were created. So this number has very little grounding in empirical data, but you should know that it is the number that presidents use when they try to take credit for how many jobs they created. They they always take credit as if they created the jobs themselves. During my administration, we created 7 million new jobs, you'll hear a president say, and this is the number that they're using to get to that total. The Bureau of Labor Statistics, and I'll link to it on the show notes page, 
doesn't actually give you an annual total, but you can blow out the numbers to a spreadsheet and just add them up. They do provide a, a link so that you can take this out to Excel. And a couple of things about today's number, and especially the way it is contrasted with what's going on in the stock markets, which we'll get to in a minute. Both the January 2022 number that came out today, 467,000 new jobs, and the December number are both still considered preliminary. And you'll see when you go to the Bureau of Labor Statistics page that there's a P in parentheses after the number. And that indicates they still could go back and revise it yet again. So they've already revised the number for December once, and they revise it upward quite a bit. And that number could be revised again. But as the time since the number is first posted goes on, usually it'll be revised less. So in any case, just to put a little perspective on this, when you talk about such large amounts of jobs added, you have to realize that in 2020, we had an unprecedented number of lost jobs in one year. So we lost 9.4 million jobs total in 2020. And that, of course, includes the month of April 2020, where we lost 20 million jobs, more than any amount of jobs in recent memory in a single month. And then with the jobs we recovered over the course of 2020, that number came down to a, a minus 9.4 million jobs for the year. And just to put that in perspective, in that one year, we lost more jobs than we did in 2008 and 2009 combined during the financial crisis of 2008. So we lost quite a few. And even with this new number, even with December 2021 revised, we've still only recovered 6.7 million of those jobs. And then if the January 2022 number stands at 467,000, we will have at this point, as we sit here today, recovered 7.2 million of the 9.4 million jobs lost. So we're not even back to where we were in December of 2020 after we had regained more than half of the jobs we lost in April of 2020. That should put things in a little bit of perspective as far as where we are. We should see, uh, if the narrative that we get in the media is correct, we should see all these jobs back by now. We supposedly have this booming economy. And of course, the number that doesn't seem to add up with this, and maybe it will later in the day today, we had a big, big losses in the stock market yesterday, and so far the futures for where the stock market is going are still negative, not quite as bad as yesterday, but they're still saying that we're going to be down today, and the number is already out, and, and usually if that number is going to have an effect on the stock market for the day, usually that's reflected in the futures. But hey, at the end of today, we might be way up. The stock market tries to predict the future. Let's not forget that. So it's not telling us what investors think the economy is like right now. It's telling us what they think it's going to be like in the future. Some people use six months. They're looking six months in the future, whatever. So why would the markets be negative with such great economic news, supposedly great economic news on jobs? If you dig into the numbers, it gets a little less wonderful because there's some aspects to the job numbers 
for example, government jobs are mixed in with that number, but let's put that aside for the moment. The market should be going up. The economy is supposed to be great. So why are we seeing all this negative action and volatility in general in the stock markets? I'm going to suggest that there's something the investors are looking at that you're not going to see reported so much in the news or you really have to dig for it. And that's what the Federal Reserve is doing. So the Federal Reserve quintupled the money supply between March 2020 and It's still ongoing. As of today, they're still adding to the money supply. 80% of all dollars that are in existence today were actually created in the last two years. So this is an unprecedented inflation of the amount of U.S. dollars. And we've finally seen that in the usual effect of inflating the money supply, which is rising prices. Now, I have my 1999 dictionary sitting on a table in this room, and it's paper, of course, so nobody can go back and change anything in a paper dictionary. And when you look up inflation in my 1999 Merriam-Webster paper dictionary, it says inflation is increasing the supply of money and credit. But if you look up inflation now, even in Merriam-Webster's current dictionary, of course, they define inflation as rising prices. So that's a little bit of Orwellian newspeak that has occurred, that inflation no longer means what it used to mean, because what it used to mean was the increase of money and credit by the central bank, and that would result in rising prices. So I like to call what everyone else calls inflation, price inflation, and distinguish that from monetary inflation. You didn't used to need that adjective monetary because everyone knew inflation was what the central bank was doing. So in any case, what the central bank had been doing, and this is actually since 2019, not since the pandemic. They created a bunch of money at once after the pandemic. But as early as September 2019, the Fed had been increasing the money supply by about $70 billion per month. And they were doing that to bail out the repo markets. I have a previous episode with Tom Luongo on the repo markets. And basically what those are, are the markets for temporary loans between banks, often overnight. They could be as long as two weeks long, but basically... These used to occur primarily so that banks could um, comply with the reserve requirement ratios. So in other words, they used to have to keep 10% of their deposits in the bank and not loan them out to other people, and only 10%. Up until March of 2020, (laughs) when the Federal Reserve eliminated any requirement for a reserve in the bank, The bank that you deposited your $50,000 in or $10,000 or $500, whatever your deposits say you have in the bank, well, the bank may have loaned out as much as 100% of that to other people. They still tell you it's there in the bank for you to withdraw. So that's another subject. And they have a story for why they eliminated the reserve requirements. And you can believe their story or you can look at the timing and come up with your own story. Let's take a short break for this important message. Most people consider it a fact of life that prices are going to go up over time, and they've never gone up as fast as they are right now. 
But what if I told you it wasn't always like that? That for over 100 years, prices went down in America, even as the economy became more productive. Well, it's true. And as much as we like to blame the president when the economy is bad, presidents really have very little effect on our modern economy. The real culprit behind not only price inflation, but the constant booms and busts we suffer is the Federal Reserve System. My new book, It's the Fed, Stupid, is an appeal to Americans across the political spectrum to stop focusing on things that don't make a difference and start focusing on what does. Whether you're worried about constantly rising prices, wage stagnation, increasing wealth and income inequality, or the massive expansion of the government's size and power, They can all be traced back to an institution the powerful would prefer you ignored. Download a free copy of my new ebook, It's the Fed Stupid, at itsthefedstupid.com and find out what you should really be fighting against. And now, back to our episode. You were right, Mr. Spock, about everything you said. We humans just aren't logical. you crazy in the But in any case, the Fed had been basically buying treasuries at a rate of $70 billion per month as early as September of 2019, when we supposedly had a booming economy before the coronavirus pandemic. And when the Fed buys a treasury from the bank, of course, it's putting cash in that bank's account. So it's adding to the money supply. So after the coronavirus pandemic lockdowns, the Federal Reserve had been buying treasuries and other securities, including corporate bonds and all kinds of things they didn't used to buy at a rate of $120 billion per month. And just to put that in perspective, The big quantitative easing from back in the 2010s after the uh, 2008 financial uh, crash, that was only $80 per month. So they were already 50% more than that. And that was right up until this past November, that they had been adding to the money supply at a faster pace than they did during quantitative easing right up until this past November. And then they announced faced with finally rising prices as a result of this tsunami of new money, they finally announced that they were going to begin what they called the taper, which was not going to cease adding money to the money supply or or to start subtracting money from the money supply, but rather to just add less every month. So to buy less assets and thereby add less money to the money supply each month And what the Fed had announced in December was that they only were purchasing $90 billion worth of securities in December and cutting that down to $60 billion in January, so a $30 billion per month decline. Another $30 billion per month decline in the rate of purchases in February, where we are right now. And then, again, this is according to the Fed's statement in December, that over the course of March, they would gradually go down to zero, where they were no longer adding to their balance sheet by buying securities and thereby adding to the money supply. So 
What are you seeing in the markets? You're seeing what traditionally has been the reaction in markets when the Fed actually starts shrinking the money supply. And they do that by selling securities off their balance sheet back to their banks and thereby removing cash from the money supply. Now, this is the way that they traditionally, before the 2008 financial crisis, used to affect the interest rates. And that's the federal funds rate, the the rate that banks charge each other to loan each other money overnight. They didn't used to just wave a wand and say the rate shall be thus and so. What they would do to get the rate to go up was to basically remove money from the bank's accounts. And they did that by selling them securities, which used to be just treasury bonds. After 2008, it also became mortgage-backed securities, although I don't think that the Fed ever sells those back to the banks. Those just got bailed out in the big quantitative easing of the last uh, crisis. So what happened with quantitative easing in the 2010s was that the banks did not take all the money that the Fed showered on them and just immediately loan it out. They built up these big deposits at the Federal Reserve, which they never used to have before. So the bank's assets used to be totally what depositors had put in to their bank accounts, and the Fed used to just manipulate that with its monetary policy, and that's how it affected interest rates. Now, since the banks have this this Federal Reserve-created money in large accounts with the Fed, they affect interest rates now by paying them interest on those previously non-existent accounts. And by raising or lowering the interest they're willing to pay them on those Federal Reserve accounts, they can affect the interest rates banks will charge. So in other words, let's just say the Fed is paying 0.25% interest on that money that the, that the bank has on account with the Fed, and then the Fed raises that to 0.5%. What's that going to do? That means those banks will not loan each other money for anything less than 0.5% because they wouldn't loan for less than they can get paid in interest from the Fed. So it comes out in the wash. How much money reaches the real economy should be roughly the same with the Fed using this new method. But in any case, what the Fed's plan is, is to stop increasing the money supply by the end of next month. So far, they're not fighting inflation, as I've said on a previous podcast, but the markets already see that they're going to stop adding to the money supply. And that might be the reason for the volatility today. That might be the reason for a divergence if we if one plays out between economic indicators like the jobs numbers and economic indicators like the stock market indexes. Because investors are saying, we're not going to be getting all this artificial juice anymore. And if we're projecting into the future, we're looking to a time where not only does the Fed stop adding to the money supply, but in theory starts shrinking it a little bit by raising interest rates, then we're going to start selling off our stocks, which we believe are overvalued in a, in a tighter monetary environment. So we'll see how it plays out. The market has opened since I began recording this podcast. And while the futures were still down 
a little bit, maybe the Dow at down 200. The Dow's now down about 50. The NASDAQ is basically at break even. This is the S&P 500. They're all nominally down, but not very much. So they may go up today because of this jobs number. But what we're going to see long term if the Fed stays resolved to fight price inflation is there's going to be a correction in all these inflated stock market prices. There really has to be. The other scenario is at the first sign of trouble, the Fed could just abandon ship as far as fighting price inflation. But we're in very interesting times where you can't have it both ways and we'll see how this plays out. But as far as making sense of these numbers, I just want to reiterate, we still are down 2 million jobs from where we were before the pandemic. And of course, in those two years, the population has gone up. So that makes it a worse number. We should be gaining jobs all the time. And as far as the Federal Reserve is concerned, they're still on course, as far as we know, to stop stimulating the economy by the end of next month. So let's see where that plays out. And I can't say it enough. It's the Fed, stupid. It's all the Fed. So everything else you're hearing is noise. It's all what the Fed does between now and the end of March as to where the economy goes. And one final thought on the economy overall is that you have to keep in mind that after any shock like the one in 2020, even though it was artificially created, that the economy is going to recover in a real sense, no matter what any politician or central banker does. So at any time after a recession, we're seeing real economic recovery. And what the Fed does is augment that with a lot of stimulus, and it somewhat counteracts what the real economy is trying to do. So when you have a big crash and a recession, what's happening there is the effects of the previous monetary inflation, which sent a lot of investment to the wrong places. We call that malinvestment, which kept alive businesses that should have gone out of business because they don't have profitable business models and which got profitable businesses to expand too much. All that has to be corrected. And that's when we get usually a market crash and a recession and it cleans out the system. So we have to find out now, this recovery since 2020, how much of it was real and how much of it was just fake or misdirected investment caused by the Federal Reserve. And that's what we'll find out at the next crash. The Fed is on course to cause that next crash and recession. If they keep on course to eventually tighten the money supply, then all the fake investment, all the fake growth is going to blow up and we're going to get a correction, a recession, and all the people who lost jobs, it's very tragic that they were misdirected into industries that didn't need their skills. They have to then be directed to profitable enterprises. So that's what happens in the business cycle. It's all unnecessary. With an honest monetary system, you would not have this. And we'll see where it goes in the coming months. Okay, friends, that's going to do it for today. If you haven't already, don't forget to download a free copy of my new ebook, It's the Fed Stupid, at itsthefedstupid.com. And if you like the music you've heard on Tom Mullen Talks Freedom, you can hear more at tommullensings.com. Thanks for listening. 
The war of ideas has only just begun. Arm yourself with the knowledge you need by heading to TomMullenTalksFreedom.com and subscribing to our email list. And remember, every revolution starts in the minds of the people.